One word, Phil, that I would never use to describe Governor Tony Evers is the word extreme. <laughs> I thought you were going to say engaging, lively, <laughs> mean-spirited. Well, I could have mentioned those words, too, as the antithesis of our Democratic governor. But I mentioned extreme because that's the word I'm hearing in a lot of the campaign attack ads. Not really aimed at Governor Evers, but aimed at other candidates like Mandela Barnes or Tim Michaels. Our editorial board just met with Governor Tony Evers. He was easygoing, modest, kind of quiet, moderate, thoughtful, not really extreme, or anything approaching radical. And that's a big reason why he has a shot at re-election. Do you remember Robin Voss on the floor taking away his powers? Like, do you understand how extremely radical (laughs) this socialist governor is? Like, no, that's not Tony Evers, but... He's very mild-mannered. I, I have a feel. Do you think he takes off his glasses and rips open his shirt and turns into <laughs> Superman at some point? Because he's definitely like a Clark Kent all the time. <laughs> well, today on Center Stage, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics, we're going to talk about our meeting with the governor as he sought our endorsement in the November 8 election. We'll probably let you know which way we're going, and we'll even play some clips I'm Scott Milford. I'm the opinion editor for the Wisconsin State Journal. I'm Phil Hands. I'm just a political cartoonist. And we are one-third of the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board. The balder third. We are? <laughs> I know I am. I, I'm the balder sixth. I'm, I'm losing some of my hair up. I'm not, oh, okay. I'm not as, I'm not as yeah. luscious. My locks aren't as luscious as they used to be. So we met with a governor, and he's always, I would say, well-prepared. I think he does a decent job as governor. He's a mediocre politician at, at best. Uh, you know, he's, in, you know he's, he's good to talk to in a room, but he doesn't, really, he doesn't do a good job of sharing his message across the state very well. But the rest of the – but I think we were generally pleased with our discussion with him today. Uh, I know some of the community board members were pretty excited to speak to him. So I think it was a good meeting. As you suggest, he doesn't seem like he'd be a very good politician, but he has won statewide election four times in a row, three times for DPI chief and four years ago for governor against a very large Democratic field. He ticked off some of his big accomplishments. I ran on fixing the damn roads, and uh, we've we've done that to the tune of uh, about 5,000 miles of roads and um, uh, about 1,500 bridges we've fixed in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, one of my proudest achievements is the fact that we brought broadband over 387,000 people in the state of Wisconsin that didn't have it before. And um, as you know, broadband is uh, uh, like electricity. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, we're getting everybody hooked in. I've actually visited with some of the people that have got it, and it's just like this game-changing, life-changing effect that has has on people. And you think about there is actually businesses out there that are operating without internet is just blows my mind. So we've been able to uh, um, provide the largest increase, not large enough, but the largest increase for our public schools ever uh, in this uh, last four years. And uh, that includes the University of Wisconsin and the tech college system. 
cut taxes by 15%, which has left about, uh, I think, three or four billion dollars in people's pockets that didn't have it before. He was very proud of his pandemic response. He taught, he, he was, he, he said many times they saved lives in Wisconsin, which is probably true. And he got that some of us weren't the happiest about how long our kids were out of school and some small business people weren't all that happy about having to close and have a lot of strict rules. But he also bragged about cutting taxes. Now, he mostly did it because the Republicans handed him a tax cut. But hey, he signed it. Yeah. And he said he signed three quarters of the bills that came to his desk. Now, a lot of those are Mickey Mouse run-of-the-mill bills. But he's trying to project competency and stability and positive, responsible leadership. I think he sees himself as a positive, responsible, low-key governor for the state. And you go back, like I do, to the days of uh, gigantic state deficits right after Tommy Thompson left town, from McCallum to Doyle and into the Walker administration. Now... There's a giant surplus of money. The state is actually in about the best financial state ever that I can remember. Yeah, a lot of that is money that they got from the federal government as part of COVID relief. But it it sounds like the state has spent that money pretty wisely to keep its economy going and drive tax revenue. Well, a lot of it's that revenue keeps coming in and the revenue is more than they expect and that people are still spending in this economy despite inflation and people are still employed. Yeah, the governor said that the state's in the best economy it's been in many, many years. We asked about priorities. Top priority, increasing aid to local governments, shared revenue. He likes that term shared revenue. (laughs) He's like those he's like those climate change activists who keep using the term carbon fee and dividend as if anybody knows what it means. Well, he wants to steer more money to local governments. He tried to make the point that that could be spent on law enforcement, for example. Yeah. That he's actually the guy trying to support law and order, not the Republicans who don't want to send more money to local governments that actually control things like police forces. The other side is saying you and Mandela Barnes and Eds are weak on crime. So what, how do you respond to that? Yeah. We've put the resources where our mouths are. It's it's one thing to say, uh, tough on crime, tough on crime. I, I, you know, wh- how does that solve any problems other than divide divide people? Frankly, if if we want to have uh, enough police officers, we need to put our mouth where 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 it, is, where it should be, and that is resources. Uh, you, you don't hire police officers uh, at the state level and say, well, you're going to go work in Brookfield this next year. They're hired local, locally. There's union contracts, all that. Money is the issue. It's a resource issue. He's not using the same sort of heated rhetoric around crime and policing that the Republicans are, but he might be doing more to uh, actually increase funding for policing than those Republicans are willing to do. And, of course, he talked about education He's the former school superintendent of schools across the state. He also ran school districts in rural Wisconsin. He wants to spend a lot more money on schools. He said $2 billion was what he was going to – I think that's going to be his ask in the next state budget. Another big thing he brought up was referendums by the public. He, of course, said, oh, well, let's let the public vote on what I know that they agree with me on, which is abortion and nonpartisan redistricting and – legalized recreational marijuana. Those are things that the public, by and large, would approve if they were allowed to vote on it. But you can't have the public vote on something 
unless the legislature agrees. What do you think would happen in the state of Wisconsin if we had a referendum initiative on gerrymandering? Mm -hmm. Do you think that would pass? Hell yes. Hell yes it would. Would an abortion solution be passed? Hell yes. So that- Marijuana? Yes. Hell yes. Hell yes. Wisconsin does not actually have a citizen's referendum process. If you look at states that have actually legalized marijuana or have reformed their redistricting laws, um, most of those have been done via via referendum, Mm -hmm. which Wisconsin doesn't have. We only have a referendum for constitutional amendments. And in that case, it has to pass legislature twice. And so there's sort of this block of the legislature. And currently, it's a very very strongly gerrymandered legislature that has no interest in getting rid of gerrymandering. We brought up the crime issue with him. Particularly, there's the ad about him letting out parolees who are terrible killers. His response was, that's the parole board. And he in a roundabout way, basically said, hey, I fired the guy in charge of that, and that's what I can do Yeah, if I don't agree with the decisions. I believe if we make sure that victims are heard, uh, that is probably the most important thing we can do. I think we've got the right system. I just We just need, to, okay. need it to work appropriately. Republicans are making some inroads on the crime issue, definitely, because crime is, since the pandemic started, it's been increasing. National trend, of course, but there's no denying that people are worried about, particularly in Madison, car thefts, gunplay, burglaries. Yeah, I mean, it is sort of ironic. Crime is most out of control in Milwaukee, which is going to be a county that Evers is going to carry overwhelmingly. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that are most concerned about crime are also least likely to be the victim of crime. You know, the people that make it a real political issue. So I, I always find that an interesting dynamic in politics. Where, you know, the people that are voting on crime live in rural Wisconsin. And there isn't really a whole lot of crime. They're scared of crime in Milwaukee and they don't set foot in Milwaukee. Sure, we need to fund our police departments and make sure there's lots of revenue for, for staffing police officers. But we need to, you know, we need to increase our funding for education, make sure every kid gets a good education and reduce the number of random guns on the street. And those are two ways to get rid of crime. And, and of course, Republicans aren't talking about those issues. I mean, they crime they're so scared about is caused by people who aren't in school, who have been lost by the education system and have easy access to guns that are just floating around. The Democrats were supposed to be helped by the abortion issue. The Supreme Court, of course, struck down Roe v. Wade. That means that Wisconsin has a law from 1849 that basically bans all abortions. Before women were allowed to vote, this law was passed. And we asked him about that at the editorial board meeting because what can he do other than beat the drum and hope that that does something to change things? But he did say that the administration is trying to help facilitate women who desperately need abortions to go across the border. Yeah. And he, he wouldn't get into specifics on that, but it does sound like the state is helping Planned Parenthood. Is there anything more you can do executively, though, yeah. like give people a ride? Or have, any, have you thought of any things like that? Or? We, we've been helping uh, Planned Parenthood out with yeah. resources on that, yes. Oh. Directly funding Planned Parenthood? Uh, kind of through the roundabout ways. Yeah, I don't want to put any more pressure on them. They got enough pressure, so mm-hmm. uh, we we provide services to our money to certain services that work with them. He's also filed a lawsuit along with Attorney General mm-hmm. Josh Call to get that really ancient law off the books. Um, and there is some questions to whether it is actually still valid after 
not being enforced for so many years. The race has really tightened and you wonder who's going to turn out. Are young people and more women going to turn out because of that law and Roe v. Wade? Or are they not? Are, are more Trumpy people going to turn out and more people that just are tired of Joe Biden and Democrats who control Washington, which is the traditional formula when it comes to a midterm election like this one? Or people upset about gas prices, people upset about you know, the cost of eggs at the grocery store and inflation and, and things like that. And does does he take heat for – does Evers take heat for things that – I mean he doesn't really have any control over gas prices. But does that doom his campaign? I don't know. Well, he wanted to have a gas tax holiday. I thought that was a dumb idea. That's actually kind of a bipartisan idea, which is sort of a short-term fix, but then it goes well, it's up. Well, bi- it's a bipartisan idea until it could help – Evers politically, and then it's a political stunt. (laughs) And it runs against the whole fix the damn roads, which was a big theme to Evers' election four years ago. He is the guy in charge, so he's the guy that all of this ultimately falls on. On the other hand, one thing that the governor has going for him is that his Republican opponent, Tim Michaels, has spent a lot of time on the East Coast over the last decade. In fact, that's where he sent his kids to school. It still flabbergasts me how many salt-of-the-earth people who work really hard for living in Wisconsin are ready to give their money to a millionaire from New York to run their state. We asked, well, what's really the difference in this race? He was pretty blunt. Why should we endorse you? Well, you can endorse me mainly because of all the good thing, all the things we've accomplished in the last uh, four years with significant, uh, significant pushback. Um, we've gone through a pandemic successfully, saved lives. And frankly, uh, the alternative really sucks. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we have an opponent that uh, uh, essentially wants to destroy our public schools. Uh, he has uh, made it clear that uh, uh, he's okay with the 1849 abortion law. And um, uh, he's somebody that is somewhat of a denier of the last election. So I think he's on the wrong side of a whole bunch of issues. He must have learned to talk like that back when he was a school principal. We did endorse him four years ago. That always makes candidates more likely to come in to pitch their candidacy to our editorial board for possible endorsement. It does seem like more often now everything's gotten so political and partisan and Trump has castigated the media with a broad brush such that fewer Republicans seem to be coming in than in the past. Maybe they feel like the people are going to vote for them. It's not going to sway them either way. Mm-hmm. But there are, I mean, there are a lot of moderate voters who still read the Wisconsin State Journal. I hear from conservative readers. I always encourage them to write in their view to help add to the lively mix of views on our opinion pages, both in print and digitally. Dane County, remember, has more conservative voters than any other county other than Milwaukee or Waukesha, and maybe sometimes Brown, and that's just because of the sheer numbers of people here. Sure, Dane County overwhelmingly leans liberal progressive, but there's still a lot of conservatives and certainly some sensible centrists. I was asking Evers staff ahead of time how many more endorsement meetings they had, and they said this was the only one they were doing this year. Really? Of any newspaper. Wow. And, and so people across the state are going to read the Wisconsin State Journal's endorsements. And it would, it, would have been, it would have been wise of Tim Michaels to come and meet with us and make his best case. Because currently, all we know from him are some gaffes from some debates and some, some ads that are kind of disingenuous. I know that he likes to drive a truck. Yeah, I never heard back from his campaign after repeated invites to come in and 
tell us more about who he is and why he's running. Somebody had a really good ad, the Republicans did, and I, off the top of my head, I don't know if it was the Republican Party or one of the candidates or some dark money group because it's so hard to keep track of who actually is speaking. I love free speech around elections, but I'd be nice to know who's actually speaking. In any case, the one mailer that I thought was just pretty effective— and clever was this long grocery list. Did you get that in the mail? No, I didn't, Scott. It was a long grocery list, you know, the yellow papered lined grocery list thing. It was really long and it had all these things and how much they've gone up in terms of inflation. Ah. And it, on the other side, it was sort of Tony Evers and Mandela Barnes handing you the grocery list and you were going to have to pay all these high prices because of these guys. Oh, now, yeah. They're making hay out of things that people are concerned about. Tim Michaels got endorsed by Trump, successful business guy, albeit his family was in the business before. He's not a self-made man like Donald Trump. No. <laughs> And or Tony Evers. <laughs> He's on the same talking points as the other Republicans. I would have thought he would make a pitch more to the middle, Tim Michaels, that I'm this competent businessman like some candidates have, like some Republicans say in Colorado have done. That's how Ron Johnson won in 2010. It yeah. was, was I'm a competent businessman who's going to shake up the Senate and bring some common sense business yeah. practices to the Senate. And And I suspect that's probably who Tim Michaels is, but it's hard to tell because in the Trump era, everybody seems to just bow down and go along with Trump. I mean, Tim Michaels is really kneeling into this machismo that that is really a big deal in the Republican Party. I mean, every every ad I've seen of him has him like in a truck. Or in front of some heavy equipment from his company. I mean, it's it's very much like I'm a tough working man who lives in a mansion in Connecticut. You know, that's the quiet part right there. Um, but I mean, and, and so he's really leaning to that. But there is, I mean, there are independent voters in this state, We're, you know, who I don't think he's appealing to them. And I think Evers is. I think Evers does have that ability to appeal to to, it's hard to paint Evers as a radical. And he was in charge of the schools. Now, maybe you say, well, he spends too much. He's education establishment. He'll roll over to the unions, although the unions are not what they used to be. You could make all those charges, but he still, you know, he cares about public schools. Yeah, he likes kids. And there's a lot of, as he noted at this meeting, a lot of local referendums about school spending. Because local schools, they don't think they have enough under the cap. So that is coming across. I mean, I think some people, if you're going to vote on education, you're probably going to vote for him. Um, It has been a while since schools, even in Madison, have been closed. Yeah. You know, some of these issues fade away. Like you and I were very upset with Madison that it didn't reopen for the better part of a year. And when we asked him about that, he noted that most schools did open. Yeah, well, they weren't weren't in Madison. (laughs) Yeah, and we sometimes lose sight of that. But honestly, with schools back open, the thrust of that issue, I don't think, is what it used to be. My kids in Madison did not go back into school until April. And then it was two days a week of 2021. And we sort of knew they were vaccinated. Mm You And that's that's an entire year of lost learning. Well, not completely lost. Well, you ask my my, my freshman, yeah. It felt felt like a lost year to him. Yeah. Do I think, uh, well, first of all, I don't order those things. (laughs) Those are local school school boards. Initially you did, right? I closed them. Yeah. Yes, but then then we left it up to school boards. Mm -hmm. I would tell you that I think across the state of Wisconsin, 
more than half the school districts, and I'd say three quarters, went to school two years. I mean, we closed down the schools for the remainder of 2020, 2020's year. And the next two years, almost all school districts in the state were actually in, in, in operation. I mean, there's still people that want to make hay out of critical race theory and woke mm-hmm. teachers. Um, but and I that's think, powerful with the base, I with think, the conservative base, I think. I think that is. But one, one, one thing that Evers said, there are more school districts in Republican assembly districts than there are in Democratic assembly districts. And they're all asking for referendums. And Republican assemblymen are, are – assemblies – members are seeing this and they don't like they don't they don't like their local schools having to ask for referendums all the time for basic expenses. And so he's hoping that maybe that can lead to a little bit more state funding for for public education. The debates will be interesting. It sounds like I'm sorry, the debate will be interesting. It sounds like there's only going to be one. That's too bad because uh, it's just annoying that all these red meat issues, some of which don't amount to much, are taking over and you don't have some real issues hashed out in any detail, it seems like. It's all this loud, obnoxious advertising that people are largely tuning out, I think, yeah. at a certain point. And I think a part of the advertising is not necessarily done to um, you know, move, move or persuade voters, but just to discourage them from voting in the first place. You know, I mean, a lot of that is just to get people sick of the election and sick of politics and frustrated with politics and make it think that it never works, you know, because I think that I think both sides kind of benefit from people thinking that politics, the other side is definitely not working. Mm -hmm. I think the governor should make a point of meeting with the Republican leaders regularly and vice versa. It seems like they don't do that. He should have a standing. I wish they would. He should have a standing invitation every Friday night for Euchre at the governor's mansion. And I, he mentioned that he invited people over to the governor's mansion right after he was elected, and only one Republican came. He didn't say who it was. Did no, he? he refused to say who it was. He wouldn't say who it was. Only one Republican came, and he claimed that they were even punished against, somehow. Yeah, warned warned against. But at that point, I really stood up to the governor and challenged him on the whole game of Euchre, Phil. Oh, that's right. And I said, Sheep said, is a much better game. And and to my surprise, he agreed. I know, I know. Because yeah. he, he's the Euchre governor. I know, yeah. If we can get together, I'll get together. I don't dislike anybody in the legislature. But it's, uh, I'll just give you a small story. This was like within three months of me having, being governor. Uh, we invited the entire legislature to the executive residence to play euchre. And guess how many Republicans showed up? Oh, you're kidding. One. He had, he had been told if he goes, he's not going to get any legislation passed. That's hardball. Who was it? I can't say. Well, maybe they only play sheep's head. It's yeah. a much better game. It is a better game. That's, that's, <laughs> Euchre is easier. Okay. So we want yeah. to get down for the Republican lawmakers. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So uh, that might have swung the endorsement for him right there. Yeah, I think so. And I'm glad we finally got him on the record saying that Sheepshead is superior. I might have to get a new bumper sticker. I play Sheepshead and I vote.